Welcome to the Peace Bridge Talk Show. Your host is Amrita Kailas, and she is going to introduce you to powerful tools from ancient wisdom and also connect with experts to show you how to implement them to lead a peaceful life. Now, here is Amrita. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. Deeply grateful to be connecting with you all again today. In our life, we come across many people. Some people walk with us from the beginning to guide and support us to live a beautiful life. Some others bring challenges into our life and teach us lessons. Few days back, I lost my dearest grandmother. Her language of unconditional love and equality was beyond boundaries of gender, caste, position, or religion. Today, she is no longer with me, but I consider it my privilege to continue the legacy of my grandmother with all of you by sharing the power of ancient wisdom. I would like to dedicate today's episode as a humble offering at her lotus feet. On today's episode, we will be discussing on the topic of addictions and recovery. We all live on a planet among living and non-living beings. Among all the living beings that exist, how are we humans different from others? Human brain is the most evolved among all the living creatures on this beautiful planet. The most important distinguishing factor that we as humans possess is the ability to think and use the power of discrimination. This power of discrimination helps us to think clearly, take decisions and act sensibly. All of us are born with good and bad tendencies that are inherited and accumulated from our own past. These have the power to impact our behavior through our own thoughts, feelings and actions. When we lead an unconscious life, we get trapped into our lower tendencies and act based on that, which eventually prevents our ability to think clearly, discriminate and behave accordingly. These tendencies are called vasanas in Sanskrit. In our modern world, we all come across various kinds of challenges at workplace, with relationships, with our family, children, and more. When we are unable to solve the challenges by ourselves, we resort to external objects around us to provide seemingly quick temporary fixes. These quick fixes could take the form of social media, devices, smoking, alcohol, drugs, substances, and more. When the dependency on any of these sources goes beyond moderation, then we fall into the trap of addictions. 
A research conducted by University of Oxford says that almost 11.8 million people die every year due to addictions of various kinds. Any substitution through external objects will not provide us lasting solution to our problems. Instead, it will degrade our evolved minds to a pathetic state of human degeneration. We all can rise above our lower tendencies by developing self-discipline or self-control. Self-control does not mean suppressing our feelings or thoughts and acting the best before others. Self-control means being able to develop an internal discipline of training the mind by managing our thoughts and emotions effectively to live a peaceful and happy life. In the Holy Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna mentions to Arjuna that such a person who has control over his senses as the man of perfection with steady wisdom. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Vincenzo Alberti, who is going to provide us with deeper insights into the topic of addictions and recovery. So I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Vincenzo Alberti, who is my guide, my coach, and my mentor. I would like to share a little bit of introduction before I have Mr. Vincenzo Alberti talk with you all. So Dr. Vincenzo Alberti is an author, speaker, and business strategist with over 25 plus years of leadership, corporate strategy, organizational effectiveness, marketing and sales experience across a variety of industries. Dr. Alberti is the author of five books, Canadian Domestic and International Mergers and Acquisitions, Achieve Your Greatness, Four Truths, Reflections, Living Lessons on Living One Day at a Time, and A Hero's Journey on Soulful Leadership. An accomplished public speaker, Having delivered keynote speeches at a variety of conferences, he holds a PhD in economic geography from Western University, specializing in mergers and acquisitions and foreign direct investment. As an athlete while at Auckland University, he went to the NCAA Division Number 2 Men's National Championships four times and finishing second in the United States once. As part of the soccer coaching staff, he helped guide the Western University Mustangs to a men's national championship tournament berth. He regularly applies many of the leadership lessons that he learned as a soccer player and coach in the boardroom. Always giving back to the community, he's currently the president of the Canadian Italian Business and Professional Association, CIBPA, Calgary Chapter, and a former Vice Chair of Empowering Minds and the University of Calgary Senate. Currently, he's addressing unignorable issues, including intergenerational trauma and addictions, as well as recovery, 
personal and professional mental health as an impact speaker with the United Way. Dr. Alberti typically speaks on the following topics as mental health, addictions and recovery, embracing change, resiliency, and on how to live a spiritual life. Welcome to the Heathbridge <laughs> Talk wow. Show, <laughs> Dr. Vincenzo Alberti. I'm so honored and grateful to have you here with us today. Amrita, the pleasure is all mine. You're a wonderful person, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. So let's get started. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. So, um, Dr. Alberti, could you please share with us a little bit about your background uh, into getting to this area of addictions? It's quite interesting. I never thought I was an addict. Unfortunately, when I was younger, my mother was schizophrenic. She passed away a few years ago. And at a very young age, I started drinking. My father didn't know, no one knew. And then when I ended up getting that soccer scholarship, I was playing semi-pro at the age of 17. And when I was in college, basically every single day, all I would do is go to class, never miss a class, do what I had to do, attended soccer practice, did my homework, and then got drunk every night. Did that for five years, and I thought, you know, when I was doing my master's and PhD, everything would be okay, but it, the trend continued. And even when I was working in Atlanta, Chicago, uh, and some and sometimes in Detroit, up to December 13, 2003, I simply couldn't control, control myself. And, and since that day, I thought about what can I do to better serve humanity, to get myself out of my own ego, and an opportunity presented itself where I'm currently the executive director of the Red Deer Dream Center, wonderful board of directors, a wonderful community. Uh, proportionally speaking, we're quite high in Alberta as far as addictions and substance abuse. There's definitely an issue here, a problem. And it's great that I could use my lived experience, what I've learned in the field, uh, to to help basically save people's lives and make a difference in the community. And that's the reason why I'm in the current, I'm in the field right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dr. Alberti, how did you actually uh, get over your addictions? That was very, that was the hardest part of my entire life. Uh, there were times where I was driven by money because uh, I didn't come from a wealthy family, wonderful mother, wonderful father. My father worked 12 hour shifts, uh, great brother. It's just that I wanted more. I saw the American way when I was young, right? After, especially when I completed my doctorate, went to Atlanta and then Chicago. And I said, this is where I could you know, make some money and, and do some, some wonderful things, save up for my wife. And, at a child two years old at the time, Victoria. The fact of the matter is, I still remember to this day, I was at a bar and there were three guys there. One of them was an equity analyst, making a quarter million a year, a lawyer, maybe about 30, 32, making well over 300,000 American and uh, an investment banker making about a million dollars a year, if not more. And I saw a guy holding a lot of cash 
uh, the investment banker and he'd buy drinks for everybody. And all I really wanted was the booze. Mm-hmm. I simply had something within me that, that, that uh, wanted the booze. And then I hit rock bottom December 13, 2003, where it buckled to my knees. And I said, God, today is the day where I'm going to live or die. I won't go into it in great detail. But after that, what happened was that I was my own worst victim. I'm not victim, my own. My ego got the best of me. And I thought I was too smart. Uh, I thought everyone was against me. I thought I knew better than anybody else. And the fact of the matter is that wasn't the case. I believe in a community-oriented approach to individualized care for every single person. And I just simply didn't want to hear it. I went to a few organizations and I, and I, said, to my, I said to myself, I'm not like that. There's no way that mm. these people, they're quote unquote losers. I'm not one of them. I'm this and that. But the fact of the matter is uh, I had a major problem. My, my head wasn't on straight and my ego got the best of me. And it wasn't until in my specific case, I came The spirituality element that really that really helped me get out of my ego, as well as attending one specific organization, that I came to the realization that you know something you can't do it yourself. At least I know I couldn't do it myself, and and because of the one organization that I still participate in, I mentor people, I sponsor people, and because of my spirituality, I can also say that I'm, I'm living a very peaceful life. Mm-hmm where I'm very centered and I have the addiction under control by knowing full well that any given day, if, I, if I'm not in charge of, if I don't monitor my thoughts, my emotions and feelings, I get, everything can simply go sideways very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So by managing the ego, um, being part of this one specific organization, think, for those that don't know, it's... Uh, I'm a friend of Bill's, so I'll leave it at that. And God, the spirituality really, really saved my life. Mm-hmm. And now, I, the rest of my life, I'm here to do God's work and help people in society. That's amazing. That's, that's very uh, nice to know how the transformation actually got to your place of peace eventually, um, although it all began from the addictions. For our listeners who are listening to this talk show, I would like to understand um, how does one get into addictions? Is it stress or are there any other factors that actually contribute into moving towards addictions? There there are many factors. What I'll do, Amrita, Mm -hmm. I'll just touch touch on a couple about that. Given the people that I see at their shelters and those that are homeless, those that are addicted, those in the corporate world that, that I know, that have even spoken to various organizations, trauma is, is, is one element, right? In my specific case, intergenerational trauma played a huge role in my addiction. And so trauma would be the very first one that, that people should look at. They have traumatic experiences in their life that may have created specific triggers for them to drink, right? Another one, when people use the word stress, 
stress is another word for fear. An inability to work through their their thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and see things for what they are. And what happens is that there's there's a void. So the first one is trauma. The second one, there's a void there. And what they do, and I this is what I did as well. I compensated by I compensated by drinking and doing drugs periodically. Majority, a lot of drinking to to fill that void. To, to feel that connection uh, with myself and others. And the fact of the matter is that, and I heard this a long time ago, I can't remember who said it, but the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. And once I learned to heal, once I, once I was healed, and I'm still a work in progress like everybody else, I still work through it. What I notice is that I'm able to connect myself in a place of compassion, kindness, and love, which I was not able to do. And I can guarantee you that the majority of people uh, really don't uh, know. If you ask most people if they love themselves, what are they going to say? Not necessarily from a narcissistic perspective, but can they actually say that they love themselves? Are they kind to themselves? So first, it's about compassion, kindness, and love. That's what I've learned to fill that void. And then once I take care of or, or fill my cup, then what I'm able to do is show compassion, kindness, and love towards others as well. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, though, I always have to have certain things, certain tools that I use. And uh, the first one that I, I resort to is my spirituality, first and foremost, right? But it's always up to my level of awareness in that given moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But trauma and uh, trauma is just one and, and trying to fill the void is another. Yeah, that, that's really interesting to uh, know, Vince. Um, with regards to this um, area where uh, people are um, getting into addictions due to various factors, like you said, trauma being one of the biggest factor, right? How can one prevent oneself from getting into that place of addiction and um causing harmful effects onto their body and minds? That's a very, very challenging question. Uh, One thing, and this is maybe my Italian background, but uh, if you surround yourself with with the right people, the likelihood of you going in the wrong direction, for lack of a better word, is minimized. That's not to say that you won't go into alcohol and drugs and dabble. Um, the but even if you have the right people, the fact of the matter is that alcoholism, let's say alcoholism is a disease, and really the way that I break down alcohol is going to be different than someone who's not an alcoholic, right? So I have the propensity once I have that first drink to drink 20, whereas you can have one drink and you can even have a drink and you say it's all good, I don't want anymore, right? So uh, to prevent it, it's important to really be cognizant of your environment, right? And your family can help you out as well. Um, But like I said, even if you have a wonderful family, there's always that chance that if it's in your genes, your makeup, that you take that one sip and because of the way your body breaks the alcohol down, 
you may be hooked, so to speak, right? Yeah, that, that's very, very interesting to know that it's also something that could emerge from your genes, right? It could be something that's already ingrained in, into your genetic pattern that could actually uh, tempt you initially and then you step into addiction and then you're in a place where you're trying your best to recover back from it. There, there are many ways, right? Um, there are people that can stop cold turkey. There are people that can, for example, have uh, after 20 years of smoking, they say, I've had enough and boom. Mm. There are people that after 20 years of drinking, they say enough, boom, I won't, I won't have any more. There are people that are on drugs and then for whatever reason, they suffer for a few days and they stop completely. There are those individuals, right? Uh, I'm not one of those individuals. Uh, I, I had to, in my specific case, I didn't necessarily go to a, a recovery program, but I had to go and speak to counselors. I had to go and do one specific organization that I, that I care for. That, that really helped me out. I know I mentor people or I sponsor people in that organization. But typically, especially if you're hardcore into it, uh, you may have to go to a treatment center. And not just once. Just because you go to a treatment center once doesn't necessarily mean that you're good to go, right? Whether it's a 30-day or two months or three months. At the Red Deer Dream Center, the beautiful thing is we have a Christian program Mm-hmm. This one year in duration, and uh, we're open to everyone, even though it's a Christian program, we're open to everyone. And uh, again, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but we, we do welcome everyone as long as they want to they put in the effort to, to recover. Equine therapy, we take that comprehensive approach to providing the support and services for each and every client so they get that individualized support and care. So that eventually they'll be ready enough so they can take one step forward and transition into society. And we'll also have supports in place there. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the person, right? Some individuals can cook cold turkey, right? Uh, For whatever reason. And then other individuals, they, they, they join an organization, they see some counseling and they're okay in that way. Other people, they have to go go through recovery once and, and, um, and, and some people go to recovery many times before they they actually heal so to speak right so it's not a simple answer mm. because it's very individualized but there, there there are many ways in which someone can can recover and I just mentioned three of them yeah. yeah. What have you seen from your experience the most harmful impacts of being an addiction? You don't know who you are. Mm. You don't know right from wrong. Mm. You don't, uh, you have an obsession of the mind. Yep. Right? Uh, where in my case, I used to think that everyone was against me. You, you don't have an opportunity to be present and live your life. Your life been, is being run by, by this addiction. Yep. You, you can't fully be a, a true participant in the community. There's so many things. 
it just derails you in so many ways. Uh, Self-esteem is practically non-existent. Mm. Also, people in addiction, they use, I remember in Belai Cheating Steel, you know, uh, whether you're in a corporate environment or whether you're you're homeless, or a mother of two, or a father of three, or what have you. Yeah. The fact of the matter is that people really, really, and they're never their true selves. They're constantly, it's almost as if they're wearing multiple masks mm. in order to live their life. And by going through the recovery process and learning to heal, finding out who you are, mm. what happens is that all those masks are unveiled and you see who you really are and a, a valuable human being, someone that can be loved, someone that can love, someone that can really make a difference to other individuals in the community, someone that can be a contributor in the community, a good human being, right? That's beautiful, Vince. It is somewhere uh, in a place where they are led or controlled through these addictions, uh, whether it's substance or whether it's some other kind of drugs, whatever it is, they are totally not in charge of themselves, not their authentic selves, but in control of these substances that actually motivates their actions and behavior, right? That, that's that's so beautifully explained, uh, Vince, where you said that you don't know who you are and um, you are trying to discover that through all these substances and going through this recovery enables you to unmask all of these and then finally discover your true self. That was so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. You are listening to Amrita Kailas on the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. We are going for a short break. Stay tuned and we'll be back in two minutes. A peaceful life is something most people only ever dream of but can never achieve. Using tools from ancient wisdom can help you achieve that peace. Listen to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on the Voice America Influencers Channel to learn what those tools are and how to implement them. The Peace Bridge Talk Show, hosted by Amrita Kailas, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. You are listening to the Peace Bridge Talk Show with Amrita Kailas. Have a question for Amrita or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show with Amrita. Welcome back, everyone, to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. Let's resume our show. What would you share as a piece of advice to people who are struggling with addictions. Be patient with yourself. Realize that if you have an addiction, that you may not mentally be there physically. Unfortunately, you're you're bearing the brunt of this addiction. So 
the very first thing is to learn to connect with yourself. In my case, when I use the word presence, my relationship with God was fundamental, right? There are those who don't believe in, they believe in, they don't, they don't say God, they say creator. The indigenous people say creator. Most, most some of them do anyways. The whole point is when you take your time to just simply slow down and learn to connect with yourself, your thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and realize that you're not all your thoughts, emotions, and feelings, that you're much deeper than that. You're a good human being, right? Because sometimes when you're in addiction, many times your thoughts are erroneous and the feelings that come up are anger and resentment and the emotions is the same thing, right? So it's it's important to realize that you're not your thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and, and you have to work through that. But in order to do that, fundamentally at, at the highest level, is really go to the root and, and uh, start connecting with yourself. Start describing who you are. And that is not an easy thing. That takes time, right? Yeah. Because just because you go into a program, it doesn't mean that after the first day that I say something like this to you, they understand. Mentally, they may not be ready to even, they can't even comprehend. People may not be able to comprehend the quote-unquote addict or the person that's struggling may not even comprehend what I'm even saying. So ideally, if they can stabilize themselves in self-capacity so that eventually they can take the time to connect with themselves and really connect to themselves so that they can make a better decision to go into recovery, let's say, if you're not in recovery, that would be phenomenal. Not easy mm. because with addictions, the addiction wants to take over all the time. The ego wants to take over all the time. And what I'm suggesting is the connection piece takes a great deal of temperance, uh, patience and self-control, right? I, ideally, you'd want that. Yeah. And to connect with themselves. If they're not able to do that, um, then what I would do is I would suggest that they find resources, whether it's a counselor, along with a family member, little by little, gradually. Uh, and, and, and maybe recovery is for you. So maybe you will better connect with yourself, better with your higher power, your God, while you're in recovery rather than trying to do it on yourself. Some people can't do that on themselves. Very small population. I can I see the majority actually doing a lot of the healing, a lot of the collection, connection, a lot of the self-love, increasing their self-esteem, working through their seeing things for what they are, and truly be temperance. Being, being more patient in recovery. Yep. Yeah, connection is the key as far as I'm concerned, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that piece of advice, uh, Vince. Uh, it's very, very insightful to actually hear that the piece of connection matters a lot when it is like connecting with yourself and being patient throughout the process until you get to the place of recovery and you're back to your own 
authentic self, right? Yes. Um, I do have a couple of uh, more questions that I want to ask uh, on behalf of the listeners here. Um, so with regards to this addictions and recovery process, what have been the ancient wisdom-based tools that you have applied in your life, which has uh, helped you to reach this place of peace? First and foremost, and this is me, the spirituality has been incredible. I'm Christian and, and God has been phenomenal from a centering standpoint. However, I also, before I... Before even the spirituality, when I was struggling, I reverse engineered everything, right? Because I didn't want to I push God away. I pushed counsels away. I pushed everyone away. <clears throat> but what I did was I reverse engineer. And one philosophy that I found quite interesting was stoicism, right? Hmm. And there are a lot of different uh, techniques that I utilized from the stoicism. Uh, for example, other sides that I placed myself in someone else's shoes when I'm having a conversation a view from above. So I'm having a conversation with you, but I'm imagining myself as being on top of the earth and looking at things from a third-party perspective. Change, embrace change, go with the flow, like woo away, right? Um, one other wonderful technique in stoicism is death. Really focusing on death. I do a death meditation on a daily basis. Now, please understand, it's, it's the most wonderful thing. And you're thinking, you probably, listeners are probably saying, what the hell are you talking about? Most wonderful thing. It's, it really enables me to think about, prioritize what are the key things in my life that, that are important. Like for me, family and making a difference in the world are critical, right? So if I close my eyes to that, I'm okay. Um, I know exactly my priorities are and the death meditation helps me out it's not morbid it's more uh, i use it to prioritize but along with stoicism and there are a lot of different techniques that i use um, buddhism was quite influential <clears throat> the <clears throat> excuse me the eightfold path the right view right understanding right intention when you do something right speech right action right livelihood right effort, mindfulness, and concentration, right? So it's like I played soccer for many years, and now I have those, those truths. And what I, they're ingrained in me so that when I'm having a conversation with you, the last three, effort, mindfulness, and concentration, mm-hmm. assuming that I don't have too much coffee on a, on a daily basis, I'm able to put in the right effort, mindfulness, and concentration. So they equal path. Um, I also, there's a philosophy a long time ago, the Una way, and it has certain principles that uh, were quite impactful to me, mm-hmm. that impacted me and helped me in my recovery. And the Una way, I'll just mention them very quickly, the world is what, what, I, think, what I think it is. So it's very careful to monitor your thoughts. But there are no limits, only the ones I set for myself. Energy flows where my attention goes. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, if I'm looking at a scroll here, a scroll here, disco ball, disco ball, it's always important to focus on your energy accordingly, right? That's where the coffee thing comes, not too much coffee. Um, now is the moment of power, so really focusing on the present moment. To love is to be, um, to be happy, right? Uh, 
all that I need is within me now and I have the courage to see it through. That's one of my favorite ones. And the one I didn't like, but now I'm beginning to understand it. Effectiveness is the measure of my truth. So by putting in the right effort, mindfulness and concentration, I don't get too attached to the truth or the outcome. But what I do is I work the process so the process works for me whenever I do something, right? It's like a hiker trying to climb a mountain, right? I know if I'm with that, you want to climb the mountain, you want to get to the top, I want to get to the top, I get it. But really focusing one step at a time, yeah. work the process until you finally get to the top. Right? But, you know, but Christianity, there are many things around Christianity in the Bible, the various principles that really help help me out mm-hmm. but before i found god per se uh, there was really stoicism hinduism buddhism taoism a lot of different philosophies shinto not so much in japanese um and and uh, yeah it's it's all these philosophies and the beautiful thing about these philosophies is that it taught me a great deal about leadership mm. a better better way to lead myself uh, and others, uh, in, in not only from a personal perspective, but also from a, a, bit, a professional business perspective as well. So, yeah, a lot of different tools. I just mentioned a few. I can wow. go and. <laughs> wow, that was a bunch of gems that you shared with us, Vince. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom with us and also mentioning that it was not just integrated into your daily life, it was also shown as an evidence in your uh, work life as well, right? Uh, through your leadership skills. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that was so beautiful, Vince, how you said like the transformation not just changed you, but also the environment wherever you're present, right? Like as you explained, if I'm actually conversing with you, if I'm actually doing some other activity, I bring in all these practices there and implement it there as well, right? <laughs> Vince, um, since you actually brought in different aspects of different religions, right? And how you actually um, integrated all of the good principles from each of these religions into your own life, right? What do you have to share uh, in terms of your definition on spirituality? Well, that's a beautiful one. Spirituality for me is, okay, I believe, in my case, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I, when I have a major concern, the very first thing I say is, please take me out of bondage yourself so I can do your will. And automatically, I feel very light, right? And, and that works for me. Now, spirituality, there are so many different ways people can approach it, right? And stoicism, for example, looks at nature, and the way everything is coordinated and organized according in a very systematic way, the way nature is organized and stoicism is around nature. Um, then you have other individuals that believe that uh, spirituality is how they're connected with the universe, pure consciousness, right? So there are different, different definitions of spirituality. And, and that enables them to live a good life. Now, for me, it's Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and I follow that path to do his will, to, to be the best human being and, and support others. Um, other people have their own definitions, and who am I to say what's right and wrong? I know what works for me, 
Yeah. And I and I know many other it works for many other people. Uh, um, so, but the, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to addiction, if having the spiritual element is yeah. is probably the most critical thing, mm. because. I'm taking this on, on an aside because so the, the person's ego is so fragile or so strong, depending on the moment, that they have to get out of themselves. And in order to get out of themselves, spirituality is, is the best way to do that. And there, there are many evidence-based studies that have proven that those individuals that go into recovery and have a spiritual component tend to recover at a higher rate than those that don't have mm. a spiritual program associated with it, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing is, and this is something that people go back and forth, back and forth, but I've done my research and I truly believe that the spiritual component is is critical to recovery, yes. Yeah, yeah. That was very interesting that um, when you mentioned how the element of ego and uh, spirituality ties together, right? Like uh, when you try to actually become more humble and spiritual, the healing process happens on its own, right? So oh, you said a wonderful word. You said the word humility, yeah. humble, the word humble. I thought I was humble. I thought I was, but my ego was just on overdrive in so many different ways. I never heard other people, at least I don't believe it, uh, but then again, I was drinking, so half the time I didn't even know, right? Mm. Um, but humility is so important so that you can at least, but it, but it goes to the level of awareness, right? If you're aware, it all starts with awareness. Uh, once you're aware, then you can take your things from a humility standpoint and try to monitor your ego that way. Everyone has an ego. Yep. And sometimes it goes out filter. But the spirituality element takes you out of yourself, out of your ego, that, and that through that humility, that enables you to look, to be more present, right. to be more authentic, to be more real, to be more yourself, so you don't wear a mask right. and just enjoy your life. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so beautiful, Vince. Again, because uh, how um, you explained. It is important to have certain qualities within ourselves to be uh, open to that grace, or you would call it the higher power, to work through you in order to discover that peace, right? So how can someone who's actually um, uh, having all these issues with ego that is shown in the workplace or at family situations, how do you start changing those kind of behavior patterns that emerge from ego. How about if I share my perspective on yeah. it? From yeah. my, a great deal, if you don't know yourself, you're just simply gonna do what you've always done. Hmm. So my thinking is connecting with yourself. So how would one go connecting with themselves? Meditation is one way that one can do that. That's what I use. And meditation, what it does is, it's, you're still, yes, thoughts go by, 
you're still sometimes you, you sometimes you go off center. Some, then you go back to center and so forth. The whole point is is through meditation that you really can, after a little while, especially if you've never done it before, learn to uh, not necessarily get caught in those thoughts and be more of the the watcher of your thoughts and your emotions and feelings. And when you're able to do that, what happens is that you don't, if an anger, if you're angry for whatever reason, you know how, if you're the watcher of that emotion, that feeling, your thought, what happens is that you won't react over time. Mm. But it takes, it's like it takes practice. It's like someone that's, uh, that's uh, I'm just making this up, never, regardless of the weight, has never exercised. And they say, okay, there are 195 pounds. Okay, I'm going to bench 225 and I'm going to squat 500 pounds and I'm going to do this today, my first day. Really? It takes practice. The thing is, I believe that the listeners deserve the best for themselves. But are they willing to put in the effort, right? Yep. Because it takes takes practice. So in my case, I would say meditation is critical to to, uh, neutralizing the evil. And, And looking at things from almost like a third party witness perspective, um, and not getting caught up in the emotions. And the beautiful thing about that as well, Amrita, is yeah. that when you're able to do that internally, the things that are external to you, then you realize that the majority of things you cannot control. So yeah. once internally you're stabilized, that flow of energy from the inside to the outside, from the outside inside, it is very carefully monitored and worked on right but again it's practice so that you don't react but right. respond to even emergencies right yes does that make sense it makes total sense thank you for actually sharing your uh, perspective on the ego uh, aspect Vince. that was really very clear and detailed uh, for um, I, the listeners also i hope the listeners also got enough value in understanding about the ego and how one could actually start working on themselves to get out of this place and act in a more humble way. Thank you so much, Vince. My last question to you is, uh, what would be three tips that you would provide the listeners that could help them with regards to addictions? Now, my response is, please understand that if someone has an addiction, there's a whole spectrum, right? So it's not, what the way I'm going to phrase it is that depending on where you are in the spectrum, whether you're really, really acute, really, or, or minor addiction, it all depends. Whether you're with the cell phone, addicted to the cell phone, or whether you're on crack cocaine, but in general... How about this? How about if I if I say a little acronym? It's ASRAPA. Now ASRAPA, the A stands for awareness. 
awareness that you have an addiction. I'll make this very simple. I won't go into too much detail. The S in Asrapa is surrender. Now, surrender is a word that I use not to say that to give up. It's really about learning that you have an ego and you have to let go of that ego, right? And not necessarily like you have to know how to work with it better. That's the surrender piece. R in Asropa is, are you ready? Mm. People can talk into the blue and face. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to go into recovery. Oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going to smoke any more cigarettes. Oh, no, no sex. No, I don't have a sex problem. Everything is good. Gambling, it. I only gamble four times a week. Last week, I did five weeks, five times a week. So, are you ready? Hmm. Right. The other R in Astropa is receptive. Are you receptive to other people's opinions? Or is the ego going to drive you where you only know? what the right, right thing is. Mm. And as Rapa, almost forgot here, um, the P in Asrapa is perception. So once, you have, once you're aware, once you surrender and you're working through the ego and um, you're ready, you're receptive, uh, actually it's A, acceptance. Then are you ready to accept your current situation? Right. Once you are, then you can put things in perspective. Yeah. Right? And the last, so peace perspective, and the last one is A, is for action. It's up to you. This is your journey. It's not my journey. Mm. I could talk to the film blue in the face, but ultimately it's the individual that has to go through their journey, their struggles, their, their wins, and everything else in between. That awareness piece is so important. And by doing it, by working through that, and this is something that I've developed, by working through that, that model, mm. what happens is that you'll find your God mm-hmm. if you choose to. Mm. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to connect. Yep. You'll be able to get rid of all the mass and see yourself who you really are. But again, it takes a lot of effort, as the Buddhists say, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Right. Uh, the sixth, seventh, and eighth full uh, paths. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was so, so powerful, Vince. Uh, thank you for sharing that uh, technique of Asropa. I will keep it in my mind also. <laughs> that was so powerful. I hope the listeners also made a note of that and uh, would continue to integrate uh, these amazing pieces of wisdom that you shared through this uh, talk show on this episode with us. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Much love, Amrita. Much love. Thank you kindly. We create our mental dependencies in our life. However, we also have the ability to rise above it if we develop self-control in our lives. Through self-control, we will be able to conserve our energy directed towards a higher purpose to uplift our mindset, bring peace, realize our authentic self and also contribute towards protecting humanity in this world. 
I would like to quote a shloka from Bhagavad Gita that says, One who is able to withdraw the senses from their objects just as a tortoise withdraws its limbs into its shell is established in divine wisdom. This shloka is chanted as Yada samharate chayam kurmo anganiva sarvashaha indriyani indriyarthebhyat tasya prajna pratishtita. Now let's do a simple meditation together. Please do not carry out this meditation while you are driving. Close your eyes. Sit straight with your back erect. Take a long, deep breath. Slowly, focus your attention in the middle of your chest. As I guide you through this meditation, please visualize through my instructions. Visualize yourself sitting on a reverse shore. There is fresh breeze. The sound of the river is ringing in your ears. The beautiful color of the river is sky blue. Sitting on the river shore, you experience the beauty of the river and the nature around you. Everything looks so quiet and perfect. As you experience the beauty of the nature, you notice a leaf next to you. You pick the leaf and visualize one addiction that you are ready to let go in your life and slowly place it on the leaf. You then take that leaf to the flowing water. You place it on the flowing water. The river carries the leaf from the place you left it slowly and steadily until it vanishes from your sight. You then fold your hands together in the middle of your chest and thank the universe for supporting you to help get rid of your addiction. With deep gratitude, you slowly open your eyes. What was your experience after the meditation? Share it with me on my Facebook community, samsarga-emotional-support or email me at samsarga.ca at gmail.com. You can also direct message me on Instagram at awakenwithamrita underscore life coach. If you are interested to download an ebook on 10 daily practices to lead a peaceful and balanced life, please go to bit.ly slash 10 steps to peace. I repeat bit.ly slash 10 steps to peace. You can also find this information under the show notes for this episode. For any other additional information, please visit www.samsarga.ca. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me today. I deeply value your time and support. 
I look forward to sharing yet another amazing episode with you to help you discover peace in your life. Join me next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific for yet another inspiring episode. Until then, take care, stay safe and remain peaceful. Sending you all lots of love and light. Amrita. Thanks for tuning in to the Peace Bridge Talk Show. Tune in again next week to continue your journey to leading a peaceful life. Until then, have a peaceful week.